Thank you for listening to My Best Living Pod. We are currently accepting applications for advertisement and sponsorships. You can reach us at mybestlivingpod or mybestlivingpod at gmail.com. Thank you. Welcome to another episode of My Best 11 podcast. Uh, fantastic uh, to have a couple of players on today. Marv, as always, uh, giving us his uh, perception on things and grilling the players. Um, and it's fantastic as well. The, the reception we've had so far from all of our audience is great. And I know that they will love this guest. Today we have um, Matthew Upson, who is joining us um, on this podcast. Um, of course, an ex-teammate played one game for Luton. I wish you'd have played a few more for Luton Town, but then went on to play for a number of Premier League clubs, which I'm sure we'll get into um, coming onto the team. Welcome, Matthew. How are you, sir? I'm very well. Thank you. I'm very well. I just just going back to your intro, you mentioned Marv grilling the player. That wasn't what we discussed, Marv, a grilling. We, it's surely just a friendly chat was how this was explained. And now I'm being told it's a grilling. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. But I think... Andrew got a little, <clears throat> got things a little bit wrong. What played one game? It was two minutes. Andrew, he come on a sub for two minutes, right? Rotherham, that that isn't a game, right? Two minutes. Hey. Hey, it, it was some two minutes, wasn't it? Must have been some performance in that two minutes. I don't know if I touched it. I think I just edited it and cleared one, hooked one up the line. That I mean, was it. It was a, a header and it cleared it off the line. But yeah. it's a big two minutes. You're right. It's a big two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think statistically, Mo, it's quite well advertised and documented. You went to Arsenal, obviously, for two million. So does that mean your time is effectively worth a million pounds per minute? Well, as Marv's outlined, that, that would suggest that, wouldn't it? So <laughs> it wasn't me that said that. Marv's just made that clear. <laughs> uh, fantastic. So what we'd like to do is uh, we start off our guests um, going through their formation and then we move on to the starting 11 team and then we move on to the best manager coach that you have ever played under. And then Marv's got a few Luton specific questions and also finding out a bit more what you're doing now because some of our listeners um, aren't in the UK, obviously see on Sky Sport. Um, so I will hand straight over to you because what we like to do is hear from the guests. They're not here to listen to me, maybe here to listen to Marv a little bit more. So I hand straight over to you, Matthew. Um, what is your preferred formation, obviously being a central defender coming through the ranks? Personal choice of, of formation. I always enjoy playing in a back four probably the most. I'd say that's the, the majority of my career was spent playing as a, as in a centre-back pairing. Um, even though a three at the back, I, it could, I could lend myself to a left side there, but I enjoy playing in a back four. So I think the formation I'm going to choose for my all-time best 11 is a bit of a throwback standard 4-4-2. Two banks of four and, and two up front. Maybe a 4-4-1-1 at times, you know, with a, a striker dropping into the midfield and dropping a bit deeper, but that's going to be my formation. Fantastic. And do you think that's um, what you grew up with? Do you think that's what changes yeah. players' perceptions? Is, is that literally what it is? Or is it more defender? Because we've noticed throughout the people we've had, attackers go kind of, oh, I'll have two at the back and they're going to be wing-backs. Uh, whereas yeah. you might be obviously defender. Is that what it is as well? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I did mainly grow up on that formation probably when I started, you know, learning the game and, and through the youth team and into my early years, that was the preferred formation. Obviously now we've got 
lots of different variations, but you, you, you tend to find it does do a, a full circle, doesn't it? And all of a sudden that, you know, four four two starts to now look a bit more, it, it comes and goes depending on, on, on the time and, and what systems are more favourable. But I would say I, I quite like to four four three to play in as well. I like having three midfield and then an attacking three without and out wide players is, is quite enjoyable. But but the, the, the players I've picked lends itself to a four four two. Moving on. So what's your, who's your goalkeeper? Um, obviously, you played under a number of goalkeepers. Again, people listening at home or in the car or wherever it is, Matthew will give us a few clues, a few tip, tips, and then see if you can guess it. And then obviously, he'll give us away the answer. The two goalkeepers that I was toying between both played for, for club and country. What, one of them was probably, I didn't play as many games with him um, because it was earlier on in my career. Uh, he was at Arsenal. He was big. He had a ponytail at times. There you go. Am I, am I giving it away? Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Is that the one you got Seaman. for? Seaman? Seaman? David, David Seaman. David, yeah. David Seaman's my goalkeeper. Um, Robert Green was my other one that came close. Um, also, you played with him at West Ham, didn't you, as well? That's right. That's what I spent a lot of time with. I played more appearances with, with Greeny than, than David Seaman. Um, mm. But there was something about David Seaman. He just had such a presence on the pitch. He was quite a, a big figure. And his decision-making is, is the best I've seen in terms of goalkeeper that I've played with. He might not have been the most athletic that I've, that I've played with, even though it wasn't a problem for him. But his decision-making in, in angles and, and positioning in and around the goal was just absolutely top-notch. What's it like when you have that defenders, obviously when you have got that good a goalkeeper behind you, especially being a young man playing at Arsenal, did he guide you? Did he give you confidence? Or was he pretty happy to hammer you when you did a mistake? Or was it a mixture of all of them? Yeah, he'd, 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 he'd give you a bit of stick. But he, he was a very, I don't know if you see him speak or remember him, or see, even see him talk now, he, he's got such a calming presence as well. It was, it was almost like a, yeah, exactly like Marv. Not, not ranting or panicking, shouting, clear it away. No, no, it, it was none of that. It was just that, that deep Yorkshire voice, David Seaman. And you said Rob Green. You didn't pick Rob Green. Um, yeah. Obviously, he came very, very close. Um, or the World Cup. What was it like playing in the World Cup um, with, obviously, in centre-back as well, with somebody like Rob Green? I know we'll get onto it probably a little bit more later on. Um, yeah, but... Was it was it a different type of keeper? Different was it a different type of keeper you had to have behind you in the in a World Cup game, or what was it like? Not really, and he, he was very similar to Dave, uh, to uh, David Seaman in a lot of ways. Rob Green, I have to say, just with with his personality, he was quite calm and, and really st- steady to to play in front of. But that's mainly the criteria I feel when you're in big games and in big situations. The personality of the player you're with, especially as a goalkeeper, knowing they're going to be calm and and, and uh, make good choices. I think any, anything that panics you in any way can always, you always got one eye on, not, not sure what's happening. You've got enough to focus on in front of you. So to know that behind you is, is taken care of and calm, you ain't got to think about it. Fantastic, fantastic. So we'll move on to right back. Um, who have you picked as your, your perfect right back in your best 11 players? This is quite a tough one in the, again, they were, they were both club and country. I played with one of the players in the same club, but I only played with the other player in, uh, in international matches for England. And it was between Gary Neville and Lee Dixon. Uh, so 
relatively similar. You'd have to say that that Gary Neville probably as an attacking fullback had a bit bit more in terms of crossing the ball and, and getting forwards. Obviously had a great partnership with David Beckham, which they took to to England and for Manchester United in terms of partnering up and knowing each other's game, which I think made him probably a better player and, and got the best out of him. Um, but I'm, I think I'm going to go with Lee Dixon just for out-and-out out reliable defending, knowing knowing the position, studying the position, just brilliant in terms of positioning and tactically defensively. Uh, and I think Marv will probably agree. You love a, uh, fullbacks to get on the ball, but there's there's nothing better than having a fullback that defensively, you know, defends the back post, gets good distances, has good distances from you as a centre-back, good communicator, and, and Lee Dixon was all of those things. So he just edges out Neville for that reason, Matt, yeah? Yeah, exactly that. Just that. Like you said, Neville probably had a bit more to his game. Um, and going forwards, I thought Gary Neville was was brilliant. His timing of his, when he would go forwards and overlap, and then his delivery was first class. And he weren't a bad defender either, by the way. No. But I, I, I just, I just, Dixon just edges it for me because he just knew the ins and outs. He was very, very... Uh, cautious as well probably needed more as, as when Arsene Wenger came to Arsenal we got the best out of him with the ball for sure because he was more out and out just a, a defender in pre, under previous managers at, at Arsenal so I think that side of his game did get better uh, under right. Wenger but and, yeah I'm, I'm just picking him okay. and Gary Neville I mean obviously he's very he comes across outspoken and to the point which in in the in the media, which I love, by the way, is was he like that in the dressing room with England? Yeah, speaking up. Yeah, definitely, definitely, that was him. Not a he. He would he would speak how he felt, which at times probably went down pretty well. At times, that's the nature of being that type of person, isn't it? It's yeah. it's really powerful at times, but it can also you know upset a few or ruffle a few feathers in the meantime. Um, but he definitely, as he as he comes across what you've just explained there, he would definitely be very vocal in and around the dressing room and, and not not shy to to give his opinion. Um, so yeah, that again, probably a strength of his. You say in a football dressing yeah. room, you need people like that, don't you? You need characters that are that are willing to do that. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's interesting as well that Neville played alongside a number of different centre backs, whereas I suppose Dixon played a pretty consistent back four when he came to Arsenal. Obviously, I know before then, uh, but when he was at Arsenal, he was definitely, he had that back four, whereas I suppose Neville had Ferdinand come in, he had Stam, Vidic. So yeah. he played alongside and obviously started his career off with Bruce and Pallister. So. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Lee Dixon was very much in that, that, that was a back four regime, wasn't it? And, mm. you know, it, it was the Arsenal back four for, for, for 10 years and everyone knew each other's movements and, and, and the partnerships that were developed were, were just brilliant. Uh, so it's a tough, it's a tough call between those two. There's, there's literally nothing between them. But I might have just edged for for, for Dicko as well because I, I knew him better. I played more games with him, um, right. and obviously I trained with him for for three four years at Arsenal every day, and and I got to see him more close up. You know, but sometimes that can that can sway the amount of minutes played with him. You get to know the player better. Fantastic. Uh, so left back, moving across to the other side. Easy one for me. Probably, the, in my opinion, the best left back that's played in the Premier League is Ashley Cole. Easy as. 
Easy as, yes. Yeah. Straightforward. <laughs> can't argue that. No. No, definitely. Definitely. That. Even though the only question I will raise with you is I'd say it can be a bit suspect from my perspective in defence. And yet you've gone for Dixon as a hardcore defender. Um, yes. Defending wasn't Cole's strength. He was a very good defender, but do you know what I mean? He wasn't his strength. He was much more, particularly under Mourinho, more so than probably under Wenger. It was more of an attacking. Yeah, I, I would say he was brilliant 1v1s, Ashley Cole. When you yeah. gave him a challenge on a 1v1, he was different class because his, his ability to change direction and, and uh, shift his feet, he was one of the, the sharpest over five yards. So I thought if, when he knew he was playing up against a Ronaldo or, a, or any player that was, had a big reputation for, for dribbling and getting at you, he rose to the challenge every time. And that for me was, was superb. I think you're right in terms of position, like what Dixon was good at was always checking his distance between his centre-back. He was always a yard in front of you and not a yard behind you. So you had the final shout of offside. Um, his, his tactical position of where the fullback was when he was coming into the back post and all these, all those little elements of, of fullback defending. Lee Dixon was brilliant. Cole wasn't, you're right, Cole wasn't all about that. He was all about the individual 1v1s, getting the better of, of the wide player he was playing against um, and getting forwards. Yeah. And, you know, he, he, he did both those things to a world-class level. And if he needed it, he's got the pace to burn to get himself out of trouble. Um, exactly. Well. Five to five yards, he was sharp. His change of direction was, was nearly as quick as Marv's. <laughs> to be honest, I was just about to say, when, when I was playing fullback in my early days, that was my best form of defence, was attack. I would just get forward. Yeah. And to be fair, I took we, into... Go on. That, that, that's how you played. I, 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 I always remember you marauding forwards with the ball. You were <laughs> that's just, exactly. unbelievable I attacking did... threat. And I even did it from centre back, so I just thought, you know what? Yeah. I just, I just have some banter sometimes, Matt, with some players, and they used to say, "Are, are you meant to be the striker? Aren't I meant to be marking you?" <laughs> and I, I was just getting forward, and he's going, getting all angry, and steam's coming out of their hands. I used to thought, "Yeah, hey, you're the you're the attacker, aren't you? Yeah, that's right." Yeah, but but I'm sure you played a lot more uh, left back or full back uh, younger, no? So it was like. I did too. You almost transition, or it's good. It's almost a good schooling for a centre back to yep. go and spend time out there. Makes you Definitely. a better defender overall, doesn't it? Most young centre backs end up playing right full back to begin with, and then drifting inside. Yeah, you know, yeah because, later you, on. as you say, you're more exposed there, and it makes you a better defender. And that's why you're, mm. you're right about Ashley Cole. He's one on one defending whenever I saw Didn't to me yeah. didn't get beat. Didn't get beat. Didn't no. get beat. No. That's fantastic. What was he like on the training ground? We said he was quick. Who who win on the Arsenal training grounds over those five yard sprints? Yeah, don't want to toot my own horn, but I was I was probably probably second. I would say. That's what I'm I, saying, I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I couldn't beat Henri. Henri right. was just out there on his own in terms of speed in in yeah. that era group of players. He was a joke. He could have been a 100-metre sprinter if he'd have What was Anelka was, like? Anelka was quick as well, wasn't he? Anelka, probably then, yeah. He, he was, him and Henri would, would have been by themselves. Oh, quickly. Then, You've got down to third now. Look, see? Well, no. I, 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 was, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I remember doing a speed test and Anelka wasn't at the club, to be fair. Mark. If he was, he would have beat me. No doubt. But 
I was really surprised myself because I came second over 40 metres. I couldn't come second over five metres. You had players right. like uh, over Mars, it just Ashley Cole. Right. Over five metres, that little five metre burst right. were just, you know, lightning. But over 40 metres, when, when I could get into my rhythm and get some stride right. pattern going. Yeah, I was, I was okay. I was, so I, you I, I surprised yourself, you said. You were surprised. I did. I completely. And I think I surprised everyone else. Everyone right. kind of looked at, the, looked at the results that went up on the wall and went, what? Upsard. <laughs> what's, what's he doing in there? <laughs> what is it? But, but, only, but like you say, over that slightly longer distance. So, uh, um, obviously, it's centre-backs. Um, I've always wondered this. I'm asking this to both of you for non-players um, who might be listening. Is it overspoken about the left side on the right-hand side of a centre-back pairing? Does it matter that much? I think yes, in an ideal world. You've obviously had a lot of centre-back pairings that have been, more often than not, both right-footed, that have been very successful. So it, it's not a deal-breaker, but I think in possession, it does give you a better balance. And I think it gives a, a coach or a manager better balance in terms of playing out from the back, patterns of passing from the back into the front or into midfield. It's just, it, it's just the balance. And I think you find also, I mean, I'm saying this because we're left-footed, but there's something about the left-footed players that they have almost have a different way of, of passing the ball. It's, it's very strange. I think the brain works differently from left foot to, to right. And, and they just, they're even more creative or they've just got a different type of delivery. Mm. And it, it just adds a brilliant, brilliant balance to the team for me. It looks better, doesn't it? I mean, for whatever reason, yeah. it looks better when you see a left-footed pass or you see a left-footed person pass the ball. Don't know why, but like you just explained, it just looks better. And I agree with what you've just said there, especially now in today's game where it's about possession of the ball. It, it's mm. more, it adds more balance to the team. I mean, back, especially when I was playing and maybe even before then, the job was just to defend. So, yeah. I mean, it didn't make much difference if he's right or left-footed, but in today's games especially, I think it means so much to have a balance of a left-footed centre-half. Yeah, I used to enjoy hitting like a diagonal as well. So, yeah. you, you kind of think if you're on the wrong side, it's hard to have that touch inside to hit a diagonal because you're going to get pressurised too much from a centre-forward, aren't you? So, just to let the exactly. ball run across you and then hit a diagonal. I used to use that ball all the time. And if I was playing on the other side, it wouldn't yeah. have been as good... You know, my right foot wasn't as accurate or as uh, nowhere near as good as my left. So, you know, it would take away that, that little weapon of, that you have of a, of a good diagonal pass. And, and, and obviously, like, speaking about yourself, getting that move, I mean, not being disrespectful, it obviously wasn't just those two minutes when you played at Rotherham that Arsenal must have been looking at you. you I mean, I said to Andrew beforehand, you were like, as a kid coming up, you knew you was going to be special and be because that's one of the things I remember about your big diagonal with your left foot, yeah, comfortable on the ball, quick as well, all right, and yeah. competitive in the air. So that was a big thing going to a club of Arsenal stature at the age of 18 for two million pounds meant big, big, big news for obviously the Arsenal people and not and also for some of the Luton fans who didn't really get to yeah. know you that well. Yeah, it's, it came out of nowhere, but it was also the, um, I think the FA Youth Cup, Marv, to be honest, played a big factor for me. And, you know, we so looked forward to that tournament as a, as a, as a YTS. It was like the highlight of your year, getting a drawn away at Anfield, playing at the ground and all that, the opportunity to play 
in a big stadium, even though it wasn't that full. But that the FA Youth Cup played a big factor because we always used to be quite successful, Luton. You know, it has got a great reputation of developing players, isn't it? In terms no, of yeah, over the years. Maybe after I was like in there, I mean, we didn't do that well in the youth cup. We, I mean, we won the Southern Judd, Southern Junior Fudlick Cup. We won that right. at the time. But yeah. after about, I think, from your year on, you, you're right. You, you did. How far did you go? I mean, you went quite far. We, we, we lost in the semi-finals to Leeds, right. uh, but Le- Leeds had Harry Kuehl, McFarlane, Paul Robinson, Jonathan Woodgate. Um, it was it was Alan Smith. It was wow. it was some team that it, they had about six players that went on to play regularly. That was a Champions League team of ninety nine oh oh, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right, that's right. So it was no, and it was a tight. I think we, we drew the first leg and lost lost the second. It was a tight game, so we pushed them far. And for Luton to to do that yeah. was was a big achievement for us as a as a, as a youth Massive. team um, with John Moore. So. So I think that that played a big part in. I mean, that was a big shot window for young players back yeah. then. I think a lot of focus was 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 put on that from scouts and various people watching football. Mm. Excellent. So we'll move on to centre backs. Thanks for it's really interesting that. Uh, what well, who have you gone for as centre backs? Either order. First one was leader, captain, figure, um, legend. Really, in terms of a, a club and country. Look um, at Marv's face. Tony, Tony Adams. Fi- Marv, Marv, <laughs> Marv. <laughs> Sorry, Marv. Sorry. <laughs> not me. No, it's not me. Until no, you no, said no, it, until sorry. you said Tony Adams, he was there going. <laughs> I was going to say, I was say, I was gonna say uh, it was only two minutes. You had to have played with him for more than two minutes. I <laughs> <laughs> when you played the game, I think I played in that game at Rotherham. I'm thinking it can't, it can't be me. Is it me? Is it all that me? No. no. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's, it, it's Tony Adams. I'm afraid. Tony Adams. Yeah. He, he has to just squeak in there, just ahead of your mouth. <laughs> you ran in close. Um. What what can you say about him in terms of uh, man, player, just, everything? Just, just a brilliant, brilliant player. Unbelievable character in the dressing room. Just vocal, out there, shouty, making noise at times. At times, he'd just make noise on the pitch. It wouldn't actually be information. It would just be persona and right. body, body language was just... Yeah. Unbelievable. As a young player watching a centre-back, in terms of making yourself bigger in your stature just by how you walk and how you, what your mannerisms are and how you organise and gesture and point to people, all those things, it just spelled um, leadership, really. Uh, and, and that, for me, was, was what he, he could play a little bit as well. He, he had great uh, ability to play short passes and one-twos. And like similar to Marv, he liked like to marauding run forwards as well. Like would just sometimes just burst out with the ball and you'd think, where's he going? And he'd just go on a run, play a one-two with a midfielder, then he's running at the back four and have a shot or put slide something through. It was you know, he he, he was brilliant. And what he scored what, the winning goal, character. didn't he? In the Premier League title. Was that ninety eight? He did that left marauding left run against Everton, volley. wasn't it? Yes, yeah. yes. Is it yeah. Everton. Everton wasn't yeah. it? Was yeah. against Everton, was it? That's right. That's right. That was the game. I remember it well. I was on the bench um, watching that one. And, and it, was, uh, it was Bold who put the ball through, wasn't it? That was centre half. That's right. That's right. <laughs> centre half to centre half. I mean. That's what I mean. Tony would just he would just pop it off, 
and he'd be gone. That was it. And then he made that run. Boldy saw it and just clipped it over the top and, and he was in. But I, I remember playing a game, I think it was against Wimbledon at home, and we were winning comfortably 2-0 by half-time. And, and I was playing with him at the back. And he just, we came out five minutes into the second half. He just said, I'm not going to say anything. Now, you've you, you got to tell me where you want me to be. I was 18. And he, he was England captain at the time. And he, didn't, he said, you need to organise the back four. You need to tell me where I want to be. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. And we, we just wow. did that for like 40 minutes of the game. Wow. And it was, things like that. It was just a, it was just a great um, learning experience for me too. The flip side is that I couldn't play enough because the competition was too good. And at 18, I wasn't going to knock him or Martin Keown or Boldy out of the team. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, but in terms of learning and, and being around that type of character, it was it was a real education. But, but Matty, that just speaks volumes about what a what a character and a, and a player he was. For him to like do that to you, because he's obviously trying to like give you learning experiences. Like mm-hmm. you played a similar position. You're 18. Right? I'm not sure how old he was, but sometimes other pros can see you as like a threat, like a young yeah. whippersnapper coming in. I'm not going to help him, but he, that, I think that's a great story, which obviously it would be great for everyone to hear whoever's listening to that story, especially if there's any young kids or young coaches that Tony Adams did that as a learning experience for you in the game. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it was, it was great for me. And in fairness, I can put all of those three, Bowl, Keown, Adams, all in that bracket of being absolutely superb to me as, as a young player always helpful always encouraging and they all had their own little you know did someone like martin just to love playing with with martin because he was just so tenacious yeah and he would just it balanced off quite well with me because i i'd almost try and read it drop off and get the ball and compete when i when i needed to but you knew that if, if it was a a feisty game or a big competition you knew that he was he was taking care of it he was he was in the thick of it all the time that was just his nature um, and, and a great to play with. I'm funny you should say that. He's Martin Keown was probably the only one person who I think gave Mick Harford a really tough, tough game. Yeah. I'm being yeah. serious because you, no. I mean, you know him better than I would. Like he, he, he gave me the impression, Martin Keown, of being when I used to watch him sometimes, being a little bit crazy. Like he just yeah. didn't care. Like he would literally just like dive in there and fight. So he was the only one time when, I mean, in the early days when I just got into the team, I thought, wow, it mixed like, do you know what I mean? He's got like a... Definitely. He's so measured off the pitch, Martin. So measured, the way he speaks, how he is. He used to put a pair of boots on and you'd just go, who is this guy? White line fever. White line fever. Completely. And it's funny you mentioned Mick Harford because he always... He used to tell me, because I used to share a room with him at Arsenal, Martin. He was my roommate. And he, he always used to tell me a story about what he, he once caught Mick Harford with an elbow or something. And, and uh, I, can't, I can't remember the story, but he tells his great story about playing against Mick. Um, and and how, can you imagine them two together? It just, oh. you, might as well just, you might as well just put a, a ring around them and, and just let them fight it out for 90 minutes. Don't you? Exactly. Just, just don't get involved, Mob. Stay out of the way. No, man. exactly. <laughs> Well, loads okay. of, some of our younger listeners as yeah. well would have seen it with um, Van Nistelrooy, of course, when he was fully... I remember when he missed that penalty. Um, at Old yeah. Trafford and Van Nistelrooy was right in his... Sorry, Martin Kiel was right in Van Nistelrooy's face when, and yeah. shoving him, chest pumping, that almost kind of persona of um, yes. the scare tactics. 
it's, it's an iconic clip that isn't it it's, it's always yeah. played you know for the Premier League use that as a you know if they're ever doing any little montage of the Premier League that Martin's face in that in that just shows you where where he used to go in, in he used to get into a zone that's it and yeah. that was it and, and it was it was such a great uh, asset to him as a player you know it made him it made him who he was yeah, it's interesting. Um, and it's interesting, you, uh, going back to the original person you picked about Tony Adams, that um, Tony went into management, he's still in and around management at the moment, um, whereas obviously Martin and, and yourself um, have gone, at the moment anyway for yourself, um, have gone into um, the media. So it's quite interesting the different ways that people can go despite being leaders at your clubs in all walks of um, kind of in all areas, obviously yourself being leader, leader at Stoke and at um, West Ham and, and, and places like that, and obviously growing leadership at Birmingham. Um, it's quite interesting how different people go in different ways. Yeah, I think a lot of, it, it's, so, it's so different. It's so different. And, and a lot of players that I worked with that have gone into coaching or, or management, when I played with them, I, I never pictured them doing that. And like saying, say, there's some players that I thought they're definitely going to be a manager. And then they don't. I think it's such a personal your life, your personal, your family life, the, the sacrifice you have to make after football if you really want to do it. all these things and then come into, it's not just a black and white of can I do it, am I going to be good? There's lots of other things in life that, that sometimes, you know, people make different choices and you're right. They, I don't think you can ever really tell. Awesome. Well, of course, Marv's, in, Marv's coaching at the moment over in the States. So Marv's got an into yeah. coaching side of things. Uh, and I love it, man. I love it. Yeah, enjoying Another, it. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It's, 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 I mean, frustrating sometimes where you think it's like a bit like golf. I'm not really a big golfer. You think you've got it sussed, and you and I coach girls, and, and the girls go out and perform unbelievably, and like they've got the tactics and how you want them to play. They're switching the ball, they're playing at the back, and then you go and play another week, and it's like they get beat 3-0 and it's like yeah. it's not the same team and so you're scratching no. your head sometimes but that's the that's the beauty of the game I suppose but, but you can sympathise with managers you know you think back to when you were playing we're all human beings aren't we we ain't going to be the same week in week out it's no. just you know it, and you kind of get better at that as well, I did anyway as time goes on the, the bad games that were a, were a 4 out of 10 yeah. were then like a, a 5 or a 6 out of 10 you know, and you just limit the, the damage of, of not having a good day at the office. You just get the basics right, you know, accept that you're not going to be able to pass it well or exactly. this, this is not going to come off, but you just make sure you you do the basics and, and, and that, 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 that is to help me. Mm. Definitely. So, centre-back, who's your other one yeah. next, next to Tony? Um, slightly later, more my era of player, both the same age as me, both I played with for England, and it was a tough, tough choice between Rio Ferdinand and John Terry. Really tough. Yeah. And both very different attributes. Very different attributes. But I think I have arrived at a decision that's going to be Rio Ferdinand. I, I thought, isn't he, left, isn't he left-footed? No, he's not, is he? Rio is Rio is, left-footed? Rio's right-footed. Yeah, he's oh, right-footed. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I don't know where I got that from. Rio's, Rio's right-footed. So is Terry, isn't he? Right-footed as well, T- isn't he? Terry's right-footed, but would play on the left and actually had a decent left foot, to be fair, because he always played on the left side. Um, but but he's predominantly... He's, his favourite foot is his right foot. So why Rio over John? Pace? Um, coming through a versatility? Because, of course, a lot of people don't remember that 
Um, Rio's Rio did a eight nine month um, drug ban for not drug Correct. ban. Sorry, he wasn't. He didn't get busted for drugs. He just missed the but, the urine sample, didn't he? I think that's what it was. He just missed, missed the test. Missed the test. Missed the yeah. test. And and ended up with a with a nine month ban. Yeah. Um, very strange period. I remember meeting up with the England squad on the the day after that happened. And he got left out of the squad. And I remember us having a meeting about it. And it was a real, it was obviously a big thing at the time. Um, and you're right, he had to he had to go through a, a, a ban for that. But, but as a player, he was just very measured. And like I say, he had the, he had real physical attributes. He was he could cover the ground. He was a bit of a Rolls Royce yeah. the way he played, um, which is very different to Terry, who was all out. You know. Head in the way, very dominant physically. Would was probably a much more physical player than what what Ferdinand was with the way he used to play. It was more of an Adams, wasn't he? Like a young Adams Terry, that yeah. sort of yeah. mould, wasn't he? He was comfortable on the ball. He was comfortable. He was com- Terry. He yeah. was he was comfortable on the ball, but but would physically want to get in the thick of it. Mm. Would would kick people up in the air a lot and be very dominant in, in the air. Whereas Rio didn't really do that particularly. He would. He would just manage the game with, with almost like effortlessly. Right. Uh, when he was called upon, obviously as a centre back, you have to get your hands dirty as well. Yeah. But the majority of the time, he was reading the game, dropping into great spaces, stepping in front, um, and with the ball was just super composed and and, and could, could had a temperament for big occasions. You can see that in him now. Just nothing phased him. Played in massive games and. And would be relaxed and, and and cope with the game. So, yeah, I think he he slips in there as, as my second centre back. Excellent, oh, definitely. Lot lot of pace, very similar to yourself as well. Um, like you say, yeah, in terms quick. of pace and speed, very quick. Yeah, he was quick. Yeah, good lad, good lad. Excellent. Well, what we'll do is we'll pause it there for a second, and we will be back after this ad break from our sponsor. Thank you for listening to My Best Living Pod. We are currently accepting applications for advertisement and sponsorships. You can reach us at mybestlivingpod or mybestlivingpod at gmail.com. Thank you. So we are back um, for the second part of My Best Eleven podcast with Matthew Upson. So far in goal, we've got David Seaman at right back, Lee Dixon, left back Ashley Cole and in central defence we have Tony Adams and Rio Ferdinand. So we're going to jump straight in um, and Matthew's gone for a 4-4-2 so we'll start off on either the, the right or the left, whichever one you prefer. Um, we'll go from there. Right midfield. Ooh, one name cool. kind of jumps out at you in terms of who I played with for England it was David Beckham. So I toyed with Robert Perez for a long time in terms of whether I should pick him because what a player he was brilliant, Marv. When he oh. Perez, just um, and, and the longevity of his career. He, how long, when did he retire? He would, I know. He would tune in and watch like La Liga games or something. <laughs> he was like running the show at thirty-nine or something or in the middle of midfield. Of yeah, unbelievable. What Can anyone imagine what he would be like in training? To train with him every day, he, I mean, it'd be like. 
just hilarious. I mean, he reminded me of, I mean, again, not knowing him, you could maybe like collaborate this, like one of these players who'd be like jinking and doing skill and just having a bit of a fat, like laughing, like working hard, but enjoying the game, enjoying <laughs> yeah. the game. Exactly that. You're absolutely spot on. And he would, he, when he came to Arsenal, we used, to, we used to do a lot of possession squares, big and small. And you never saw him give the ball away. He was a joke. It was just simple, one and two touch, movement, where's the space, pressure. He could have it anywhere, have it in a phone box and come out the wow. other side. You know what I mean? It's just it, very difficult not to pick him. But on the flip side of that, with, with David Beckham, just dead ball, his delivery. You know, you could, you could run a show reel of, of crosses that you, he's put in across his career and it just blow you away. Yeah, the the, right, the yeah. accuracy of what that man could deliver the ball. One side of the other on a sixpence, as the as the old fashioned saying was. Unbelievable! I, I remember training with England, and we playing a game at the end. And I was, I think I was, I can't remember who was in the. It might have been Heskey or someone. I was marking, and I was thought I'm in good position here. I was scanning, checking. I had a meal there, and he, and this cross, this deep cross, and he's cross it so deep, didn't he? Early, yeah. He, he just like bent it over the top yeah. and in behind. And I was like a yard off my man. It was nothing. I was in, right. you'd have to analyze it and go, I was actually in a decent position. Yeah. But the, the, the ball was, was just inch perfect. And obviously you play with him towards, not the back end of his career, but definitely in the middle and the end of his career. Um, mm -hmm. What was he like as a, as a personality? Because he always comes across as quite a shy guy. Um, was he quite out there or was he, as obviously that time as well, he was England captain. So you'd expect or yeah. maybe hope he was a bit more vocal or was he one of these shy ones? Yeah, he, he he wasn't particularly vocal from especially early on when I when I've, I kind of played for England in two stints. One was from '03 to '05 with under Sven, and then I, I had like a two two and a half year break from not getting selected. And then when Fabio Capello took over in '08, um, I then had a almost a resurgence and and got back in in the squad and in the team. But the first time around. There was, a, there was kind of a big difference in him from the two stints that, that I trained and played with him. And he was a lot quieter, that, that, you know, not as confident in terms of being vocal and, and, and what have you with England first time. But the second time around, the change in him was noticeable. He was much more uh, vocal and, and, and louder and, and had his personality out in the dressing room a lot more. And you can just see that over the years and the experience that he'd had at the clubs he'd had, He'd just become more and more uh, vocal in that way, but yeah. Hey, just just going back to you and your England career, um, which is fantastic to obviously one for the play for your country. Can you just like explain when 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 did you find out and what was it like when you got your first cap or you knew you were in the squad for the first time ever? Uh, I, I remember it because I had just left Arsenal and gone to Birmingham City. Um, I couldn't get enough game time at Arsenal to be able to get myself anywhere near the squad. And, and we had a great um, the centre-backs around at the time, just before that and during, were the, the, the position was just had such quality in depth from Adams, Keown, Sol Campbell, um, Gareth Southgate was in there, Rio, John Terry. So even Gareth Barry at the time was kind of a left-sided centre-back who was direct competition for me. Um, 
So there was a there was a stiff competition, but I remember getting the call. I'd just played on the Saturday for Birmingham. I think we'd won. I'd gone back to the hotel with with my, some friends, and I think my dad, my mum and dad as well. We we're having some food, and I got the call, and it was just it was amazing. It was a, it was around my family and friends at the time, which was great. Right. Uh, made it all that more special. And I remember I think we were going to go out uh, that evening, but I had to knock it on the head. Get myself to bed, Mo, because uh, I, I was a good pro when I, you know, I didn't, <laughs> did, didn't want to turn up for my first day at England after a, a late night. And uh, yeah, I remember meeting up with the squad on the Sunday, very nervous, very kind of a little bit, you know, nerve wracking. But soon, kind of settled in. But I feel my first stint with England, I didn't, I didn't really believe. I never really fully believed I should be there. Right. I think that was that was my biggest problem the first two years why I probably fell away a little bit and had to go away and almost develop myself to believe that I should be playing for England. Um, and in my second stint, I had a completely different mindset and it was far he, more successful. Didn't he put you in his first squad? Was it Fabio? The second, your second, wasn't he? He did, that yeah. His, uh, he did. That was his first he ever did. squad, wasn't it? I yes, think. yes. He'd been, yeah. he'd been to watch me a lot. And I remember... So that was massive you know, confidence for you. Yeah, you you know you know what it's like. You're in the dressing room, and word gets down. So and so's come here today to watch you, or not not necessarily me, but so and so's at no. the game. Yeah. So I, I knew he'd been to Upton Park a lot. So he's either watching Rob Green, me, probably Scott Parker was another player yeah. who'd have been watching a lot. Carlton Cole, um, and uh, yeah, to be selected. But at that time in my career, I really believed and felt I should be at that right. level. And I didn't have that same confidence in when I was younger and when I, I first got in and I was almost just making up the numbers and you're never going no. to achieve anything with that mentality. It's impossible. No. Absolutely impossible. Correct. So, you know, it was a great learning period for me, but uh, second time around was far more enjoyable. Oh, and like I said, yeah. a big boost being in his first ever squad. I mean, he's now in yeah. the manager and this is his first squad he's picking. That's a big, massive boost for you to be in that Definitely. squad. Definitely, Excellent. definitely. I think it was I think it was Terry Ferdinand, me. Um, I can't remember who else would have been centre back at the time. We had Gary Cahill was was coming through, Michael Dawson as well at, at Tottenham. So uh, yeah, no, it, it was a it was a big boost for me personally. And Fabio, just quickly, you, of you course, like Fabio like Capello play. as well. Sorry, Marvin. Sorry, I was just to say, and just quickly, you you like playing against Germany, obviously. Your two, your two goals. I did. So who doesn't like scoring against Germany? It's like, I don't know what it was. The only two goals I scored for England, both against Germany. But uh, first first game we won in Berlin. Second one was very disappointing in, in the World Cup. But um, yeah, I, I scored a couple. Probably could have scored one or two more. I had a couple of, I remember a couple of other opportunities. Because... It's, it, certain matches it, it can be a goal fest can't it with England you know you're playing certain teams at Wembley in the qualifying stages or whatever it's you know four, five, six nil and you've almost got a, sometimes the concentration in them games is even harder because you, you're right. so out of you, you're, not, you're not on the ball a lot you know and you, you, you're dominating the game quite heavily but you're scoring for England just brilliant feeling what, what an amazing feeling Right, and in the World and Cup. In, and then going to World Cup. That's all yeah. I was going to say. And going to World Cup as well. Scoring in the World yeah. Cup. Joint top goal scorer that for England in 2010. <laughs> I know. That just shows you how bad it was, doesn't it? What a disaster. It was a disaster, wasn't it? Just 
that that was a bizarre experience, really strange experience, and not what I'd pictured. Let's put it that way. Not not what and not what the group had pictured either. I don't think because we were so successful in the two years building up to that competition, but it just took a took a downward turn from from quite early on. It was a real shame. Yeah, I was going to say what? Fabio. What was it like playing under Fabio um, Capello? He came in, it was a breath of fresh air, changed everything, mentality towards training, um, train twice a day. You know, we'd have the training in the morning, then have an 11-a-side game with your shin pads on at 5pm back at the training ground for 45 minutes. You know, pushed wow. you to the brink of where you thought, this is getting a bit silly now. And if you didn't, there was always, always a culture that um, under previous regimes at times that, certain players would always play. So you might meet up on the, the Sunday evening, but some might not train till the Wednesday because, you know, they're carrying a little knock or mm. needed a rest or whatever. And, you know, other people would be training flat out and then you wouldn't get, you wouldn't get picked at the end of it. And I think he came in and really changed that and went, no, no, no. If, if you can't train, you don't play. It's that simple. Right. And the, the attitude towards training from everyone changed. And it had a, I thought it had a really positive impact uh, all around, and uh, and yeah, that that was the biggest transformation that I thought he brought to England was just that mentality of of, of having to to commit to training and and to to work hard. It was it was really refreshing. Fantastic. Yeah, it would be, would be. So moving on, left left midfield. Um, you picked David Beckham and left out Robert Perez. Yeah, yeah th- this guy I mentioned earlier, he could he could stop on a sixpence. Which was he was lightning quick, but he also had the best breaks. He, he had ceramic breaks as well, um, <laughs> and, and could outbreak anyone. And, it, and that was his tact. It was spurts of speed. Then he looked like he was going to stop, and then he would go again, and he, right. he was gone. That was it. And it's Mark Overmars. Overmars, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's probably. The, I, I didn't play with that many out and out real great. I'm just trying to wrap my brain of left-sided, left-footed players um, that just so. He was a fantastic player, but I, there wasn't that many to challenge how good he was. And he wasn't at Arsenal for very long, was he? He was only no. a couple of years, a year and a half, a couple of years before he went to um, Barcelona with Petit. With Petit. Correct, couple of seasons, and then him and Petit left at the same time to Barcelona. Mm. Um, and we missed them, to be fair. Missed them because they were, they were fabulous players. And he was a real character, Mark Overmars, quite cheeky. Uh, funny character and obviously gone on to great things as a, as a di- director of football or you know part yeah. of the, the Ajax uh, set up isn't he him and so, Dennis uh, Bergkamp seem to have it all wrapped up over in Ajax at the moment they're right. doing quite well that's, so um, right. obviously playing with Mark Overmars on the left hand side you, you like pinging that ball crossways um, yeah was he always there as an out for yourself um, he was always always there but he would always he, he always had little signals so he'd always it, it was actually very simple, but effective. And it was just that classic, if I'm going to come short, if, if my first movement's to come short, I'm going long. And if yeah. I'm going to go away, I'm coming short. He just had opposite movement all the time. And he would say that to you before. You know, if you, Manny, if you see me coming short, just go, just go over the top. Yeah. And, and if, you just, if you just remembered that, you were yeah. fine. And funny you should say that. This just reminded me of um, same similar for me. We was talking about that little diag from the centre of the field 
fought me, totally fought me to do that. And then it yeah. wasn't even something we spoke about. It was something that you just developed. Like, I knew if he come short, he was going to go long. And if he went long, yeah. he was going to come short. And yeah. I mean, I wasn't too bad at passing. I was half decent. So when he used to come short to go long, I used to be able to drop the ball like quite close to put him in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't sell yourself short, Mark. You had a decent <laughs> left foot, mate. <laughs> you could you could clip that one in there, couldn't you? No problem. I could, I could. I could, to be fair. No problem. No problem. But yeah, it, it's effective. It's simple, but it's effective. Yep. And it's quite hard to play against. You know, as a, as a fullback, you go short, you think, well, do I go? And obviously, if the fullback didn't go at all, then yeah, he, he, might, he might check he, his shoulder and stay short. And then you just give it yeah. him. You know, it, it was a tough player to play against. And I think he gave... He gave a lot of people a torrid time. I remember him winning. He basically won the game for us at Old Trafford against Gary Neville uh, right. one year. Just, and I think probably if you sat down and asked him, I think I've heard Neville say, of all the players he's played against in the Premier League, he probably disliked playing against Mark Overmars the most. Right. So gave quick, him a really it? tough time. You look at Overmars' history, he was part of that 95-96 Ajax that ridiculous team that played in that um, mm. with Ajax there, with all the way from Bergkamp to um, Kluivert, you had David Seedorf. I mean, the, the names of the team just Van der Zaar, they roll off a tongue in that in that particular team in that '95 era. So um, he was part of a fantastic uh, team, and it, it's great he's doing well there. Yeah, well, when you walk down, if you go to the Amsterdam Arena and you walk down the the corridor to the dressing rooms, they've got pictures of all the players. And even if you go in the, the main entrance and if you're heading up to your seat or the the, the lounges, the, the photos, the pictures they've got of all the academy successes they've had, uh, it, it blows your mind. It blows your mind. The players that have come through that club, it's just a, it is an academy of football, isn't it? And, and the, the, the yeah. talent and the, the, what they breed there is just, you know, super players, aren't they? Mm. Still doing it now. Yeah, what, what, I mean, what are your thoughts on wingers? Are you, th are you obviously they're not in fashion at the moment? Um, is it something you think could be under or overutilized? Or, um, I mean, they're not, I mean, it's kind of a weird one at the moment because they're kind of wide strikers, aren't they, really? Yeah, they're very fashionable to, to play on the opposite side, isn't it? And to come favored for inside, which I have to say, I do really like. I, I, I like it. I think it's if you've got fullbacks. The, the, uh, and that's the key for me. I think it works really well if you've got a fullback that's that's good quality going forwards. I think it's great to have those those outside players that can come into onto their favourite foot. I think you know you look at how Liverpool do it. You look how Manchester City have done it of late. Two of the probably the the most prolific attacking teams in the Premier League at the moment. You have to say it's it's so hard to play against, isn't it? Really hard to play against. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So central midfield. Let's move on. Central midfield, my number one, my easiest pick is uh, Patrick Vieira. Patrick Vieira, yep. Guaranteed. Shoo-in, shoo-in, mm. wouldn't he? Shoo-in, absolute <laughs> shoo-in. No doubt. It was just the first one on the list. And just, he had a telescopic leg that could just <laughs> get, get balls, steal balls, or you thought you had it and this leg would come out of nowhere and just prod it away from you and then he had the stride pattern and like the physicality just to brush you to one side like you were like you weren't there like you're a, a little boy um and then he was just gone 
and physically he was just a joke. How tall? Really. How tall was he, Max? I mean, I, I've, again, I've not seen him, but he comes. You look at him and you think he looks like he's six foot. One, two could be even. I don't know. No, uh, no, 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 no. He's about six four, Mark. Six foot three, six foot four. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he was about six foot four, I think, Patrick. Unbelievable. And he had, a, he had that party trick of every game, the ball would be bouncing, someone would come in and he'd flick it over their head and get it the other side. He did it every game. You knew it was coming. You could sit there with a book, wait and think, how many times are you going to do that today? And just wait and wait. And all of a sudden, there you go. Every game he did it. Just literally wow. take the mick, really. Six just take the mick. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The archetypal box to box player. I mean, when he came to Arsenal, you were there as a young youngster. Um, obviously, yeah, I think he, he signed, signed when you were. Me. Oh, did he sign just before you? Sorry. I think um, he was there just, bef- just before me, similar time. And what was your thoughts when he came in? Because he wasn't a well known name. They signed him from AC Milan no. Reserves, I think it was. Um, so That's right. they didn't really know much about him. What, what did you see when he came in compared to, I mean, the player that we all know became? Well, he, he, he just. He, he hit the ground running, came in, got given the opportunity, didn't look back. I don't ever remember there being a backwards or sideways step that he ever took um, in terms of progressing as a player. Unbelievable. The, the, one, the thing he found hardest and the, the biggest threat to him and his success or him staying at Arsenal and becoming the, the legend that he is was his disciplinary record. I think that was, that was his biggest battle. Nothing to do with playing or ability to play or what, just ridiculous. But he went for a real sticky period of not being able to control his emotions and and his himself on the pitch, and he, he would almost get go to war with referees, and uh, and the, the yellow cards and sendings off that he had. And there's one season where I think he accumulated two or three sendings off in a close period of time, and was suspended for. I don't know, X amount of games. And it wow. started to become a real frustration of his. Um, but that, Marv, the other side about it is you want a midfield player to tackle. I mean, his yeah. tackling was phenomenal. He would oh. smash people. I mean, everyone so, talks it, about him and Keane, didn't they? they were, that was literally war between those two. And, and I've, I mean, I've heard him talk, I mean, I mean, on different medias, it wasn't, and it wasn't for show. That was like they disliked yeah. each other, or they. It was just the way out. It was Man United Arsenal. It wasn't a case yeah. of like I'm doing this for show. They both meant it. Definitely. Both meant it. Definitely, a hundred percent. It was real. It wasn't any kind of all that stuff was was completely real. Um, and I think those experience as he got over that, and I'd say that was probably. That's probably a couple of years into me being there. So I would have been 20, 21. So he was probably, by the time he was 24, 25, he'd almost got to grips with it and right. knew how to handle it better and was more experienced. And that's when you really saw, uh, you know, how he was. But what a player. He, he could do it. He'd score goals. Yeah. Um, you know, defending set pieces. like another centre-back in the pitch yeah. when defending set pieces. Six foot four and can head it as your centre midfield player, yeah. but can handle the ball, would come and have it. Yeah. I mean, you're playing in that back four, you very rarely needed to pass it further than 10, 15 yards. Mm. It was just, you just need to tickle it into midfield and they'd do the rest, you know. It, it could be easy at times playing in that team. When you had the ball, it was, it was brilliant. Fantastic player. And who's next to, who's next yeah. to Patrick? Tough one. 
probably the longest time I've toyed with a position on the pitch because I didn't quite know who to fill in next to him. It was really hard. Um, Paul Scholes was a player that, you know, you speak here, most people talk about sport, Paul Scholes. And I played with him in that early spell with England, but probably not enough to really, to, for me to be able to pick him. And I know that's, that's weird because a lot of people say he's the best player they've played with. And, and to watch and to see, and, and I just remember him in training, doing volley practice. And another player could vote. Remember John Artson's volume, Marv? Unbelievable <laughs> volume ball, wasn't it? He was. What a volume ball he was. But, but Paul Scholes probably took it to the next level. He could just click right. balls onto the volley and he was just volleying it, hitting the target, top corner, every bottom time. corner, every time. Every time he was just a machine. Um, and, and a great player but the player that always sticks out most with me that I have to pick is probably Steven Gerrard okay, no, no, okay. That. I mean he's my pick yeah again fantastic player. player yeah fantastic player um, providing you a bit more attacking alongside I know maybe, maybe that's a bit unfair on Patrick um, in terms of attacking prowess but definitely somebody who likes to bomb on as well I think he was a bigger threat in terms of ball striking than Patrick. Patrick was a burst forward and player one, two, and then slot the ball home, you know, whereas Gerrard's ball striking from long range, unbelievable. The accuracy and power that he'd hit the target, he's shooting. Again, you could go for a show reel of goals that he scored from outside the box in terms of arriving. Unbelievable. Um, and, and again, tenacious, put his foot in, honest in terms of genuine on the pitch and how he would play and uh, one and two touch I used to yeah. watch him play so he'd go through the whole game playing one and two touch never saw him have more than that and it was so effective you couldn't get near him so uh, he, he's my pick and, and, and our captain as well with England in the, in the World Cup he was the captain and, uh, and he was a good captain too Excellent. I think as well that like you just said there, the way how he passable, but even the, his short passing, you know, when I used to watch him, man, is his 10-yard short passing was like, bang. And it was like, every yeah. single time it was like, on the ground, not bobbling. It was like, a great, yeah. great pass. And I often say to the girls, oh my coach, like, the top, top players, right, do the simple things great. Every simple yeah. little pass is a, Perfect, perfect pass. It's a big yeah. difference. It, it was crisp, wasn't it? And it, yeah. and it was and it, and it was wrapped in as well. Yeah. And he was very much the type of person that if you weren't on his level, he let you know about it. So he wouldn't suffer somebody not yeah. having a good first touch, or he wouldn't suffer somebody not banging the ball into him like that. If you didn't pass it into him like that, you'd get you get it. Yeah, you know he would he'd let he'd let you have it, and and that was great. You know he was he was he was a. Uh, he would demand more of people around him all the time because he had such high standards with those little simple points. You know, just the, which side am I passing it to him? Is it safe yeah. side? Is, have I put him in trouble? You know, and and, and if, if you didn't have a good first touch and he was passing it to you, you you'd struggle because like you say, he would smash it into you. It'd be accurate and firm. Yeah. But, you know, you had to be on the ball ready to have it. So, I've heard, yeah, I've heard brilliant, brilliant player. I've heard Crouch speaking on a, on a podcast talking about yeah. it, saying it, it wouldn't even say a word. It will be just a look. It'll wrap it into you. And it <laughs> yeah. just, he said, yeah. it'll just give you this look as if to say, yeah. come on. Do you know what yeah. I mean? That's... Definitely that. You, all, you always felt like 
oh, is that good? is that good enough? Oh, you know, he demanded that from you. So you, when you saw him, you thought, I've got to be on my game here. I have to, I've got to put this into him. Or if he gives you the ball, you make sure your touch is right. He, he definitely had that facial expression, like you say, or look, or if he was to be vocal, he'd let you have it. And, yeah. you know, when you look back, you need those plays. So important. Yeah. There's probably the more of that in the game, modern game, that you can have at the moment, I think, the better. Definitely. Yeah. So when you're obviously playing with England um, alongside people like Gerard and um, etc., did they raise their game compared to what you saw on a regular Saturday afternoon or um, playing for the international team? Or is it a case of they're always at that ridiculous level? I mean, what as gentlemen, just what I, mean, what I mean by that, Matt? Yeah, I think they're always at that ridiculous level. And I think that the, the more amazing stuff you'd see is probably in training, if I'm honest, because it was just more relaxed and things would happen in training, you just go, geez, that's, that's unbelievable. If you create that on a pitch at Wembley or somewhere, then it, it, it's amazing. I think the, the biggest battle for those for players like him and that, that era of playing for England is just the, the personal battles that you used to have in terms of the pressure of playing for England and how that was. It wasn't quite right. And I think the squad now, and that's Gareth Southgate's biggest strength for me, is that he's yeah. addressed that. And I think you're seeing better performances from an England team you might, for me, I don't think that the talent pool was quite as good as maybe the, the time where I spent with England in terms of experience and level of player, but it's certainly getting better. But he's created a brilliant environment for those players that, that, that can only be a good thing. Yeah. Was it like that in the dressing room? I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, they've spoken about it quite openly um, going up to the last World Cup about it being mm. Liverpool table, Chelsea table, Arsenal, Man United, etc. Was that what it was yeah. like? And then what it was like for you, obviously, not playing at one of those clubs which yeah. had everybody? Was there a kind of rest of the world table? Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the ones outside the top four. Um, yeah. sit together. No, no it, I don't know. I, I, just, I just think sometimes those environments, they need a bit of help. You know, it's not, it, it doesn't just happen by itself. So it needs a bit of help to get that. And I think that, that is the manager and the staff's role to make that environment as, as happy, as competitive, as uh, inclusive as possible. And I, and I think that's the key thing in people turning up, feeling comfortable, feeling included in what's going on. Um, and, and like I say, I refer to my early times with England. I think that was something that was probably missing the most. Um, we had brilliant players and, and everyone was, you know, I'd, People treated each other with respect and, and, and very well. But it's just going that next level of creating a great team. There's, there's a little bit more to it. The social element was always difficult with England because it, all eyes is a goldfish bowl. And, and just trying to create something um, without obviously you know, being able to go out and socialise, which you can't do with international duty. It's just, it's just not possible. So you've got to create yeah. it another way. And I think South, Gareth Southgate's done that really, really well. Do you think that yeah, the previous managers then, in terms of Ericsson, Capello, all those managers you mentioned, obviously you worked under, mm. do you think they just didn't realise it needed to be addressed? Or do you think it was, and, and now Southgate's got hindsight, which is perfect, or, or do you think it was kind of, no, they were quite happy with the situation the way it was? Well, Southgate's got the advantage that he's experienced it as a player. So he knows what it might have felt like. And he's probably experienced it in the era where Euro 96, where it was very different. And look how successful England were. And then he's experienced it later on under because I made my England debut with Gareth as a centre back partner. So he he was in and around that that group of players at the time under Sven, 
who who was very relaxed but didn't put a lot of emphasis on getting everyone together and 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 being that that, that inclusive feel that Gareth Southgate's done. So, you know, I think Capello came in with his discipline, but didn't put a lot of focus on what we've just spoken about there at all. Um, it was all quite regimented and disciplined, which had a reaction, but then it only took us so far. Um, so, you know, it's a balance of all those things put together for me. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Thank you. So we're going, now going up front where you've got two players to pick from. You mentioned you're going to have one playing off, one on yeah. their own, or wh- where are you looking here? Um, I'm looking oh, massive array of talent to choose from. Tough, yeah. Tough. <laughs> tough one Marvin you know picking two out of the brilliant uh, centre forwards or or number 10s that that I've played with over the years Um, one stands out actually they both stand out and uh, I'm going to go first with somebody that just had real class it's the best if you have one word to describe him did you just say class any any guesses There there you go there you go. Dennis Burkamp. Dennis Burkamp. Just class. Yeah. Class. Both on and off the pitch. Yeah. Fantastic player. Great player. Great player. Not like said part of that IX Academy. So he learned how to play things the right way. Yeah. Another one. Another one of their products. So, yeah, just, just a brilliant, brilliant player. Brilliant guy. Again, seeing some of the, the goals he scored, Manny, in the Premiership, I could only think, like, because when he's at that level, and they're, they're unbelievable, they're off the chart, the goals he's scoring. Yeah. Training must have been ridiculous, the stuff he's doing training. It has to have been ridiculous, the stuff he did. Again, you're right. You, you'd see better stuff in training. Yeah. Believe it or not, whether that is possible, but <laughs> you'd, see, you'd, see, you'd see stuff in training that you just go... How's he? How has he seen that? Like the yeah. vision, the awareness. He'd have eyes in the back of his head. Yeah, you know. And the one thing that people might not know about him was that he was brutal in terms of his uh, manner in which he'd train. In terms of he would boot you, Mark. He was horrible I, I, at times. I've heard that. I've heard that. He's yeah. got a nastiness yeah. about him, a nasty street a little bit about him, which he'll leave, yeah. leave one on you. Ter- terrible and, and he had a, he had this dry ruthless sense of humour as well that was just like at times cutting in, with his banter but, but very measured but just would you know see something and just let someone have it but but I, I remember get, if you if you were getting the better of him on the rare occasion in training and you're having a good day you know it would then be met with a little little rakey set of studs down the back of the Achilles or wow. some something. Yeah. yeah, he was, yeah. he was, he was very competitive. And again, disciplinary wise, if you probably look at his disciplinary record, he might've averaged two yellow cards, uh, two red cards a season. Yeah. Definitely one of one or two for a center forward. Yeah. But his class and the way he played, that's unheard of, isn't it? Like yeah, for somebody to is. get sent it off is. that many, you know, to be, or, or accumulation of bookings all the time. Yeah, uh, but for me that made him special. Yeah, because he he just had an edge to him that to be that good and then have that type of mentality. That's just did perfect. you pl- did you play against him many times? Yeah. Once what was I he like? Left. Obviously playing against yeah, obviously for for for, for, for Birmingham. Arsenal. For Birmingham, yeah. I played against him. Yeah, we played Arsenal. Yeah. 
what was that like? Was it obviously firstly playing against a play, seen in the um, training ground, but was he even more a bit more studsy, leave his leave his foot in, or um... not really? Not really. I mean, most of the games that we played Arsenal when I was at Birmingham at that at that time in the Premier League, we were getting beaten so so badly that you know he, he had just had a cigar on. To be honest, um, <laughs> we, we, we were already three 0 down. You know what I mean? He, they were so good. Uh, we we would just turn up at Highbury and just hope to hang on, really. Um, but he was quick as well. That's the one thing I remember seeing he a was. clip of where I got the wrong side of him. I, we we'd had a corner at Birmingham, and they counterattacked, and I was sprinting back. And over that distance, I was I was decent, and he was half a yard in front. And this was the thing: he was quicker running with the ball than without it. <laughs> Yeah, His technique scary, for yeah. running with the ball was legendary. So yeah. if he had the ball at his feet and he had a yard on you, most players you think, well, I'm running without it. I'll catch them. Yeah. Not him. He just had the stride pattern and the technique nailed that he would just actually get away from people, even though he had the ball at his feet. Um, and I remember trying to reel him back in, but just couldn't get there. And he scored. And I think we lost 2-3-0 at St Andrews. Wow. But he, he, was, he was a brilliant player. Yeah, fantastic. Was he the type of person that when he put the ball through your nets, he'd shout nuts and things like that? What was he like? Was he that competitive? Yeah, cheeky. Cheeky. Would, <laughs> would, would take the piss when he could. Definitely. Definitely would, would, would do that and, and joke around and, and uh, try, he would try things, you know, try the unexpected, which we've seen. Look at that goal against yeah. Newcastle. Yeah. I mean, it's... Where do you even conjure that up from? I know. Where, where, at, what point, at what point in your brain do you think, I'll try this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nickers, yeah. Poor old Nickers dab his ass. It's the only time he ever gets played on the highlight reel. I was talking about montages <laughs> yeah. earlier. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, exactly. But, but also in that goal, is you've got that lovely the thought process and then the execution. But then once he gets around the other side, the way that he gets his arm into him and his body, and he was so physical, yeah. Dennis, he would just... He would the contact he would make with players. He was very physical for the type of player he was. He would just enjoy that side of the game as much as he would, you know, the, the technical side of it. The battle, Fantastic. the combat, and that's what that's what makes him the best player or one of the best, one of him, top players. Makes him it makes him special. Yeah. So you've gone for playmaker. Um, so the gut reaction for most football fans would be we're gonna have us we'd have a finisher, a poacher. Um, who have we gone for? I'll let you two guess it. It ain't that hard. Um, Who do you think? I'm guess it. I'm, I'm gonna say Shearer. Never played with him. Really? Come on. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna guess Ian Wright. No. Oh. Wow. I know. I, I, got, it, I got it. 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 I don't know why I said that. Actually, yeah. Henri. Yes. There you go. Marv's got yeah. it. Henri. I don't know why I said Ian right after I said it. I was going to hang on. You said Tierra really? Yeah. Yep. Henri. Uh, yeah. What do you say? I know. What do you say about Henri in terms of what do you reckon best player the Premier League's ever seen? I, I mean, listen, I, I, I mean, I would say that because, I mean, I didn't have the pleasure of playing with him or against him, but what I saw, you'd probably say in my opinion, he was unplayable. He, he had yeah. he had to be have a poor game for me to have a good game. See if that makes sense. I mean, because he had pace, he could head, <laughs> he could. I mean, yeah. that's how I that's how I work out. He had to have a poor yeah. game for me to have a good game. Yeah, 
No, I, I think that most people feel the same. Like, you're not out there alone, mate. You're not on your own. Yeah. But he he would just, I don't know. It's, it's just hard to, he, he, could, he could just do things that were, were phenomenal physically. There's not been many better specimens in terms of strength, ability to jump. Um, we used to have a ceiling in the gym at Arsenal when, when we, where the, the, the weights gym was and we used to have competitions like there was this big barn who could touch it we were trying for loads of lads were trying to running up jumping it he just what he walk in with his walked in with his flip flops on Mark just to just to, to just to take the mick even more and went what are you trying to do you're trying to jump, hit that bar Thierry okay no problem flip flops on boing straight up touch like oh. it, <laughs> He, he, he just had explosiveness beyond, um, you know, like I said, he could have probably been a 100-metre sprinter. Wow. Um, or whatever he wanted to be physically. He was just so impressive with, with what he could do. Um, and to add the, you know, the, the, the thinking, the intelligence, the technical element that he had just made him at times, he was unstoppable, wasn't he? And, yeah. and unplayable. Yeah. Lead, I think what one or two seasons in a row, he was lead goal scorer and lead assists in the Premier League. I mean, it's not often wow. you see those two come together as number one in both. I mean, that, no. that's that's the measure of, of how good he was. Yeah, and, and when he came in, he started off as a left winger. Um, yeah, was that? I mean, he, he lacked a bit of confidence because he didn't have a very successful time at Juve. So, what was he like when he came yeah. into the club? Was it something that took a while to get his confidence back up, or did he always know it was there? It was just a case of a bit of TLC, and it will come back. Yeah, no, I think I think Arsene Wenger nurtured it and uh, realised what what he was good at, and realised that he was bringing a player in that had had a bad time. And I remember him talking about. I think he enjoyed being at the club, and it was obviously a brilliant club at Juve. But the how it was just didn't suit him where they were playing. And maybe the Italian football side of it wasn't quite his game and then he came into a, a club where a manager was very uh, free on expressing yourself and allowing people to to roam and express themselves, especially in an attacking sense. I mean, he, Veng was all about attack. So he came to the perfect place because um, he had reliable players around him that were, were very regimented. He had a solid back four and he was able to, to go and do his thing. Um, and then to move him central just, just really added that extra dimension to what he was capable of. And a left footer. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, he, he was both. Both. Yeah. Both. Yeah. That's yeah. What I'm saying. yeah. D- didn't matter. Didn't matter what foot he was on. It was both were, were, were as good as each other. Fantastic. Fantastic. So we've got a fantastic team in there. Who's um, who's going to lead this bunch of merry men? Uh, this fantastic bunch of players you picked. Played under a lot of really good managers. One of my favourites, not that I played a lot, but Marvel, I've got so much respect for David Plee. Like, as a young player, I mean, I don't think I've seen a better manager bring through young players than him. For that side of it, David Plee was just, I mean, Marv's got a much better experience of him than what I have. But from at 15 to get invited to come and train with the first team on a summer holiday from school or on an Easter holiday to play against players at Kenilworth Road on the first team and those type of experience he was just you know he'd turn up at our youth team games on a on a Saturday morning when when Marvin the first team were playing on a, on a Saturday afternoon that's how much he cared about the academy so but in, in terms of probably the, the, the player to manager that 
to play under with this team. So to manage this team, say, it would have to be Wenger. Yeah, I'm going to say that. Just because the players almost take care of themselves and he's got this, he almost like taps into like a spiritual way of handling people and he just allow, he just draws the best out of people without them knowing it. You know, I played under someone like Capello would, would, would be brilliant with organising a team and, and trying to get, but with these group of players, you don't need to do that. You just need to almost create the environment, let them feel happy and just let it happen. And I think when Wenger had great players in and around his squad, he was just a brilliant manager. I was just going to say, Matty, how many times in your time did he get angry and just lose it? Because I just can't imagine Wenger getting like, coming in going and screaming and shouting. He just seemed so calm and yeah, just spoke he like would. this. And... He would, but every now and then you'd see him get angry on the rare really? occasion. Yeah. And... um he would always want to come in, have the first couple of minutes of quiet. Pat Rice, you see, Pat Rice was like chomping at the bit, wanting to jump in and dig someone out, or you know that that yeah. that tenacious element that he had as a as an assistant manager. But uh, you so, uh, so many times see Wenger just say to him, "Pat, no, leave it." You know, he'd, he'd want to let it stew and let it yeah. let it calm down. Let the players say something, then the players might have a row or, or a discussion. Or, or compliment each other or right. whatever needed to be done. And then, and then he would say his piece just before going out and it would be a very calm environment, which is what he liked. Um, I do remember challenging him once as a young player because I wasn't playing enough. And I remember having a go at him on a, coming to, on Sunday morning to train the players that didn't play on Saturday. So I was a bit raw anyway. We trained and something had happened. And I remember pulling him after and we got into a bit, no, I say it, it was a heated discussion. And I remember going away from training thinking, oh, messed up there. Like, I what don't know if I've done any favours. I was what probably age? 20, 21. Um, and I was coming into my own where I think I hadn't got enough game time. I think one of the centre-backs had got injured and he played someone else and I was angry about it. And, and, I, and, I, and we, we got into that kind of dispute. It didn't end particularly well. And then I came in on the Monday morning and uh, he didn't really speak to me, but we trained, went through the week, and then he picked me on the Saturday. And uh, I was kind of a bit taken back. And he said to me on the on the Friday on the way there, he went, you know, what, what you said, I, don't, I didn't mind what you said to me on last Sunday because it showed it showed me that you really cared, oh, and, and, cool. and I like that. So he was that type of manager that wouldn't, you know, would, would want to see. He would almost always be analysing your behaviour as a person. What is your most memorable Luton game and why? <laughs> it's my like Luton game. Wouldn't you say my most memorable Luton game? Or yeah, and why? But you, I mean, you, you've got two minutes of. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm honest. Well, I don't remember anything about that. You don't. I'm very, very little. I'd have to say my, my one of my most memorable Luton games. I actually did make another senior appearance in the Anglo-Italian Cup. Oh, hmm. yeah, that's right. Who was that against? That's a flashback from the past, that is. That uh, competition. I think, I think the team was were called she Chesnia. Chesnia? Yes. Was that in Italy or at Kenilworth Road? Where was, was that? Italy. I was away in Italy. And, and uh, I played centre-back. Or I might have played left side of three. Darren Patterson played. What was the we, score? We, Do you remember the score? We, we were... Uh, chasing it a little bit, 
I remember the, the night before we had nowhere to train. We went the day before and we ended up training on like a car park or something in the dark. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wow, really? Yeah, it wasn't the best prep. Um, it was a funny place as well. And I was, I was only young. And uh, so I, I remember p- playing in that game. Um, um, That's excellent. So, um, listen, I just want to say, Matty, thank you so much for coming on here and, and picking your best 11. Uh, a lot of um, supporters and listeners who the clubs you play for would like to know or love to know what you're doing now, if you're involved in the game in a coaching way or if you're whatever you're doing. So just, I mean, if you could just finish up now, just letting us know what you're doing now sort of thing. Yeah, I do, I, I do work in the media. I, I do some uh, co-commentary quite a bit um, various other bits of, uh, of, of kind of football related media work from studio work, but predominantly the, the commentary I like for, for BBC, for, for the radio five live. I also, if some of your listeners are uh, overseas, I do quite a lot for, for PLP as well in terms of co-commentary. So some of the games that would air in Australia or, or, or Asia or, or Africa and places like that, um, all across the world. Um, I do a fair bit of, of commentary for for the Premier League games. So, yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying that side of it. It keeps me busy, keeps me in football and watching it and allows a nice uh, family balance as well. Excellent. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time, um, Matthew. Um, and is there anything you want to say to the fans at all? To give you the final word. No, I just, my main message to the fans is, you know, hope to see you all back soon in, this, in these strange times. So that's, that's true. You know, football is such a positive thing in all of our lives um, and, and especially for the fans as well. So just hope everyone well and, and hope to see you all back in, in stadiums soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and thank you very much for picking, um, that was Matthew Upson's My Best Eleven.